Welcome back, everyone, to another Merge Conflict, where we're celebrating, ding, 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 the release of iCircuit Pro Max. <laughs> Max? Max? iCircuit Pro Max. Is that like, uh, I, 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 I should have done Max Plus. We came up with some real clever names for all the in-app purchase names you could possibly have. But yeah. Thanks, James. It's out. Did it's it. out. Only it's took happening. a year. <laughs> you did it. I'm very proud of you. We talked about it a few weeks on the podcast, and we have come to the conclusion before this podcast that there's not enough data yet to talk about said in-app subscription updates, shenanigans at this point, correct? Not enough to anal- analyze this stuff with R or some machine learning algorithm. We're not there yet. I also have absolutely no what I'm, idea what I'm doing when it comes to trends and sales reports and all that stuff. So I'm trying to understand myself how, how, how it's doing, even though I wrote an app to tell me how it's doing. But yeah, it, it's only been a little bit of time. But people are subscribing. Thank you, everyone who um, bought a pro subscription. I have um, I've gotten a little bit of email of people confused. So I will say. I think I've confused a few people. They're just like, uh, so uh, if I buy the app, why does it have an in-app purchase? Can you explain this pro thing? So I think I have to do a little bit better with my um, app store description and the UI because I think, isn't there like a UI in the app store so people can see uh, your in-app subscription details? That is correct. Now to enable that piece of functionality, you have to do a little bit of work in your application um, to accept purchases through the app store. Oh. And it'll come up as a separate item so they could see iCircuit and iCircuit Pro next to it in the app store and buy it through there. Um, and I think when you do that, they're linked uh, better with a better description on the app store, but I'm not 100% sure. Maybe you can do it without. But that being said, yes, I will say that I uh, specifically spent a lot of time on my app store description for um, my cadence. And I really had to outline what was free and what the in-app purchase was and all of the things that you got for it. And that, um, you know, specifically with the free app, I was like, you know, there's, I was like, there's, I, I had to describe all the things that were not limitations of the app. Like there's <laughs> yeah. no ads, you know, there's, there's no time limitation. There's, you know, you can use it forever, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. blah, 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 like all these things. And then I said, you get all of that, no matter what, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, if you want to completely optional, you get all of that for free and you can give, you know, go pro. And then this is what you get with it. X, Y, Z. And I really had to break down those descriptions hundred percent. Yeah, I think I dropped the ball a tiny bit there, um, being the first time. But now that it's in the App Store, I can go see what UI is there, if any. It doesn't sound so bad uh, supporting that thing. I put in lots of hooks already, and I think I read some docs on it. So we'll we'll have to do a whole episode when Frank learns how to be as good as James. I'm going to go steal some things from yours. I think that's what's really important. That's what everyone was confused by. what are they getting with the purchase versus what's in pro? And so I think I do have to do exactly what you said. Be very clear. Like, oh, you're getting a full app here. Don't you worry. And it's going to run forever. It's going to be great. Pro is just an add-on. Exactly. Now, I do want to also mention before we get into our topic today that if you're interested in becoming to a scriber to something 
you can become a subscriber to this podcast on our Patreon. You get all these podcasts for free, but if you want more, you can become a Patreon subscriber. In fact, I just enabled, Frank, a free seven-day trial for anybody. What? You can just go try it out. Seven-day trial to Patreon. You can, go, you can just binge all of the bonus episodes. They're now unlocked for everybody. Seven-day trial. <laughs> Check it out. Patreon.com forward slash mitchconflict.com. <laughs> Boom. It's in the show notes. Check it out. All right. I want to talk about HomePod. Wah, 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 wah. HomePod's back. It's HomePod's back. <laughs> HomePod's back. Is, is back. that right? Tim Apple brought it back. Tim Apple brought the HomePod back. Ch-ch-ch. Are you excited about the HomePod? I, I think it, it, it's you and Marco, ding, are excited about the HomePod. Um, okay. All right. Available starting 2.3. I assume that's a date or something for this HomePod. Um, no. Is, uh, is that is that firmware version 2.3? Yeah, why would they do 2.3? That what does that mean, James? What does it mean? No. Okay. So I didn't know that you were living the HomePod lifestyle. Uh, I, I, I'm in the um, Jeff Bezos family of dinguses. Well, we do have an Apple TV. Now, uh, that is the hub of my network, but a HomePod can also be the hub of your home in general. But um, where we're at, we also just set up some speakers, some old speakers that I got from an estate sale. And I hooked that up to an amplifier that has Bluetooth. And I spent a lot of time on this. And what I get at the end of the day (laughs) is some nice looking (laughs) speakers. But basically, I get a Bluetooth hub that I'm sending stuff to, right? Like, it seems like a lot compared to could I just get a HomePod and it would like really just fill the entire house with awesome audio? I probably spent more time and energy and effort. I know the HomePod's $300, but I feel like I have to do more work to play audio. And then additionally, like this HomePod could be my home hub. I, I, I'm just imagining like you bought these like cool 1980s giant speakers with a cool 1980s receiver and you're putting a home pod on top of it <laughs> is, is that what's going on that's what's in my head and i love it i possibly could i mean i did so i did buy these these speakers i think are from the 50s or 60s they're uh Ooh. they're a radio shack like like Neato. when radio shack was good do you remember that you weren't alive we weren't alive then yeah, 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 I didn't catch but, that era. But there was a time when like Radio Shack made awesome stuff. But these speakers, like people are like creme de la creme. They love these speakers and they're in great condition. But I did buy a modern small um, amplifier receiver. So not one of the hunkin' big small. Yamaha. Uh, yeah. Okay, it doesn't have two cassettes. No, but it should. Okay. Yeah, No record at the top. No, uh, but that that's the idea. Actually, it is... Um, it's capable so I can hook up a turntable to it. That would be the idea <laughs> that we could do. But I'm assuming with the whole I could do that too. How many inputs does I'm, I'm sorry, I'm I'm getting I'm detouring this whole podcast on your uh little receiver here. How many inputs does it have? Well, the inputs it has two, but then it also has a okay. Bluetooth input as well. Neat. Right. So you're using it right as the hub. Mm-hmm. So why again are you interested in the home pod? What is it? Is it Siri? Do you love Siri too? No, no. Well, no. I do want to say this, you know, I, and we'll get off this topic really quick, but I do, I do think that I am interested where we're at. We have a very, very big room. And obviously the thing that I'm really interested in 
is the spatial audio and the room sensing capabilities. So the HomePod could adjust playing back audio. It's not just a dumb speaker, right? Like it's not just mm -hmm. these speakers that I have, they're just speakers blaring music out. So it's not sensing, you know, where, how the room is configured and how things are happening. So yeah. there's that. I additionally think that in this house where we're at right now, we have like a tiny, tiny TV, but it does have airplay capability and all this other stuff built in. I think it would be really neat to use this HomePod as a full surround sound system for the TV. At the same time, I think that would be really neat. No. So are, are you talking about putting two of them in the room or you're just through the magic of Apple's awesome speaker technology have stereo? I mean, it's a $300, it's a $300 speaker. Well, it better be good enough to do the whole freaking, <laughs> it, it better deliver 17.5 <laughs> audio to my face hole. Okay. Like I'm virtual. Okay. Dolby Atmos. But it's not like tracking you in the room. How can it deliver 7.1 everywhere in the room? I don't Other. get it. Ma ma magic Apple audio, oh. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's get into I got two other topics for you. Um, do you want to talk about the Mac Mini or do you want to talk about the MacBook Pros today? I want to talk about the Mac Mini. Mac Mini. Okay. How so. is how has it not changed design <laughs> in the last eight thousand years? Is it how's that possible? It's it looks a little slimmer than the uh, device kits that you and I got. Doesn't it look uh, slimmer? It does. Yes, it does. You know, it's lost a little weight, shedding the pounds. Yes, it, it, it's a little bit weird. I don't think they're putting a fan in it, right? So they no. made an M2, M2 Pro version even of the Mac Mini. And as far as I can tell, it's the perfect little Apple thing. If you have a monitor that you already love. I love my iMac, but in the end, I... I I'm sad because it's an Intel, I'll keep it forever, but it's attached to a monitor. And I like, I love the monitor, but I kind of want to be able to swap the computer out. So I might get back into the mini lifestyle at some point. Yeah, I personally, this is very timely because I just put out a video talking about building and compiling iOS applications remotely from Windows, uh, both without a Mac, but also with a Mac. Uh, mm -hmm. and specifically connecting to a Mac. And I had a, quite a few comments talking about they have Mac minis or they have a MacBook. I just have a MacBook Air, which I think works fairly well. However, as we know, all the compilation is being done on the Mac. And of course, you can use your Mac as a remote uh, build host for something like Azure DevOps or something else where you could connect it and build from there. So having a relatively powerful little Mac mini means that your development builds are going to be faster. Like that's literally what it means. You have a faster machine. It's faster there. And what they're saying here is that the Mac mini with an M2 is faster than an iMac 27 inch with a core i7 and a Radeon Pro 5500 XT. It is faster than that. Well, that's what I've got. Basically, I think I have I think I have a slightly better video card than that, but well, James, you're making your point. <laughs> I want to, uh, I want to also point out Frank really quick mm -hmm. before we go on mm -hmm. important thing. This, I've never seen Apple do this, but when you're on the Mac mini page and it says speed and capability, 
of course, they're going to talk about the normal things, which are photo editing, video rendering. They have a benchmark for code compiling. And that's what I'm looking at, Frank. Ooh, ooh. And, and is it fast? Because all Apple graphs are fast. Of course, it's fast. Uh, it's definitely way faster. But I do want to point this out, that the Mac Mini with an M2 is 1.9 times faster than a Mac Mini with a Core i7. Surprisingly, not that much faster than an M1 uh, Mac Mini. However, the Mac Mini with an M2 Pro is 3.2 times faster than the Mac Mini with a Core i7. That's a lot. It's faster. That's real fast. <laughs> oh, they're good computers. Uh, I, I, I think I will have to invest yet again. I, I love my laptop, but um, one of these powerful ones eventually. I might wait to M3, James. I might just keep waiting to M3. But I've had requests um, from Kelka users. Oh, Kelka users, they're fun. Uh, they're like, can we get a Apple Apple Silicon version of mm -hmm. the app? So I've been a little bit remiss. Uh, Rosetta's been so good that I haven't been compiling my apps for the M's. But these things are getting so good, and I'm feeling a little bit bad having Rosetta between me and these fast processors. So I kind of want to do that. I also want to add, um, you need to add about $1,000 on top of the already $1,300 for the M2 Pro because you need that 32 gigabytes of unified memory, and you need at least 2 terabytes of <laughs> SSD storage. Oof, that is a $2,300 computer. It's good, but I'm a little freaked out that a $2,300 computer doesn't have a fan in it. And I guess it's that good. Well, so that really gets us into the next question, which is when people are going out, if they are going to spend that amount of money, where does the Mac Studio fit into the equation? This is an M1 Max that it has, and the base price is $2,000, which is going to have 32 gigs of RAM. Granted, it only has a half a terabyte of storage. But it is an M1 Max, which, as we know, is two M1 Pros. No. Yes. Oh, it's not an Ultra. I forgot they created an Ultra. When did they do the that? The names. Oh I know. They're so confusing. Some, I, I hope that there is a chart out there. And if you know of it, everyone, please send us on Twitter or the toots or whatever. Uh, please let us know if there's a chart. The part that I'm looking at, though, is the memory bandwidth. The M1 Ultra is 800 gigabytes per second, capital B. Is that bytes? Okay, let's go with bytes. Uh, whereas the M2 Pro at its glorious $1,300 was 2,000 gigabytes per second. Oh, gotcha, yeah. So there's definitely a generation gap between them. There, there's advantages to the M2. Yeah, I like that. All right, let's continue the conversation. But first, Frank, I want to take a very quick break. And by very quick, I mean, this might be the best ad read that I never wrote that we've ever had on the podcast because it's a brand new sponsor you don't even know. But I, I think it's a little bit longer, but I think you're going to just want to hear this ad read, everybody. So I know you're tempted to hit the 30 second skip. I know you're tempted. Don't do it because I do think that a, a, a professional wrote this ad and it's very good. And I'm going to try to do it justice. Frank, are you ready? <clears throat> oh, I, I am excited. Everyone, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, James. Hey, how much time do you spend working on the command line? Frank, how much time do you spend commanding on the, working on the command line? A lot? Literally all day. All day. And in fact, if you're probably a listener of Merge Conflict, it's probably a lot more than the average podcast listener. Well, guess what? 
our friends Miguel and Joseph over at Zibbin have shipped an iOS app for a command line aficionados called, creatively enough, La Terminal. You're probably thinking, why the heck would they do that? SSH clients have been available on the iPhone since the dawn of time. Good question, dear listener. And as followers of those two might imagine, those guys would only ship such an app if they felt they could bring something exciting and new to the fast-paced world of terminal emulation. And that they have. La Terminal represents the state of the art in terminal emulation for mobile command line hackers on iOS and iPadOS, including iCloud Sync, Snippets, and inline image support. Who knew image support on a terminal command line was even a thing? Actually, I've used it and it's pretty useful. They have a nice, <laughs> yeah, they also have nice eye candy, including resource monitoring tools with powerful CPU and memory use visualizations a native processor uh, explorer, and a fully themable experience accented with beautiful, captivating live effect backgrounds powered by metal performance shaders, as you know how much Frank loves those metal performance shaders. Mm. Now, of course, you know you can't release an app these days without a healthy dose of AI. You can't do it, Frank. So say hello to Al Capolito, your AI assistant to help you craft commands using plain English. With Al Capolito, you no longer have to struggle with trying to remember complex commands or scour the internet for solutions to your terminal problems. Simply tap the little brain icon on the top of any active terminal session and tell El Capolito what you want to do. For example, you can say how to create a new branch using Git or which process is listening on port 232. El Capolito knows if you're connected to Linux, Mac, or Windows and will give you the commands appropriate for your shell you're using whether that's Bash, Zish, PowerShell, or the DOS command prompt. Listen, go grab La Terminal from the App Store today. It's completely free. La Terminal, type it into your iPhone right now and download this puppy because you're going to love it. And thanks to our friends over at Zibin for sponsoring this week's pod. It was as good read, huh? That was good. That was amazing. And I love the product. Uh, El Copolito, is that right? I, I, think, I love that. I think so. I told <laughs> I told Heather and she's like, you're saying that wrong. And I was like, yeah, I know. Oh, no. Yeah. Darn it. Well, otherwise, it was a perfect read. I'm yes. sure. I'm sure we're getting it close. <laughs> I think it's like, I'll, what a cool app. I, I actually I use like, this app. Yeah. yeah. Full it's disclosure. Good yeah. It's a good app. And I'm not even a terminal person and I use the app. Can you believe that? Well, you know, like I, I, I live the iPad life. I love my iPad. And you, you just sometimes got to go talk to a Unix machine. It's just how life is these days. Do you know what I did actually from it? Funnily enough, is I actually connected to my Mac and then I launched and controlled my stream timer from the app. Because it I can from it, a terminal? From a terminal. Mm-hmm. How'd you control stream timer? Because it it listens to uh, different command line terminal commands. Very good. do deep linking. Because I'm at you're amazing. I know. Good job. Um, <laughs> deep Lincoln. Deep Lincoln. Uh, okay, so let's let's get back to the Mac Mini. Um, I think forever I've loved the Mac Mini, just in general. I think it's a great device, which is why I love the form factor of that Windows Dev Box machine that uh, the team at Microsoft, the company I work for, put out. I have one. It's on my desk. It's fantastic. And you know, between those two devices. You know, being able to switch between those, you kind of have like the power of everything that you need. Now, 
the question really at the end of the day is, are, is this thing going to replace the tower that you might build under, you know, your machine, or is it going to replace you're using what an iMac right now? Yeah. iMac living the iMac life. So is it something that is worth going into or is it just worth saying, Hey, listen, I'm going to build a super powerful, powerful desktop machine for windows, or I'm going to, you know, just invest in a actual iMac or Mac pro or Mac studio or something like that's really the question at the end of the day, Frank. Yeah. Um, al- although I am living the iMac lifestyle, I, I said, I- I'm being an, I was always uh, a Mac mini user, but I, I want to do a, a Mia Copa real time update. Okay. I was uh, bragging that the M2 had a very large uh, memory bandwidth. I was wrong. <laughs> I got um. the numbers wrong. It turns out the uh, studio, the Mac studio has uh, 200 and 400 GBs per second. And the M2s is 100 and 200. So wow. it is in fact slower. Fewer CPUs, fewer GPUs, and a little bit slower. And that's why it's cheaper <laughs> than the studio. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's very confusing that the M2 is a little bit slower than uh, the M1 uh, Max and Ultra. Their their product line is getting a little bit wacky. I think they're going to have to rein it in somehow or do better than Pro Max and Ultra for describing these things. I and you know the the real issue that I have most of the time with Apple things is how they stagger out the releases. So for example, what would be great is if to, when this was launching is that the Mac Mini and the Mac Studio and even the Mac Pro, I mean, at least the Mac Mini and the Mac Studio, they make sense they're in the same category that they could get updated at the same time. Because then, and I know it's supply chain and it's all this other stuff, but what I'm saying is, you know, when you look at it, you're like, well, you know, now there's M1s and M2s. Like, they're very different. They're, they're perceived difference. How are you supposed to know that when you see M2, you just assume that everything about the M2 is better than the M1, but that is not the case. And that's why it gets, that's why it gets you know, tricky. Yeah. I, I got fooled myself right here on the podcast. <laughs> so, darn, 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 darn. But um, the good news is they're making a mini. So at least it exists. I, I never actually bought the highest end minis, maybe once in my life, but I, I tended to get mid range. Um, and while I say you definitely need the 32 gigabyte memory update, I've been doing plenty of Xamarin dev right on my, uh, M1 air with 16 GB and that's been fine. No lower than that, obviously. Yeah, (laughs) of course. No, I agree. In fact, what I've recommended to people in the past is my M1 MacBook air with 16 gigabytes, I think is a fantastic device. I've really enjoyed it and I still think it's super powerful. I'm really enjoying it. Here, I do think that the design compared to the new MacBook Air with the M2 chip is subpar. I love the new look, (laughs) and we're about to talk about some other new devices here, but I do love the new non-winged out bottom or whatever, but I still love my device. I I don't want to shame my my device. I do love it. It comes in gold, so that's good. However, I do think that, you know, the M1 with the 16 gigs, I'm still very impressed. Now, will I still be impressed with it in a few years, what over the next OS is like I put Ventura on and it seems fine. And Ventura is weird. It's a weird update 
the settings menu is all funky. I don't get it. Um, I don't like it. They change too much, but, uh, and not <laughs> enough at all. I don't know. So, so that means to me, right. And, and if I'm coming to this conclusion, when people are watching the video and they're like, Hey, I need to buy a Mac cause I want to, you know, get my certs. I want to do stuff, but I don't want to spend a lot of money. I will tell you, well, the best way, the best entry point is probably the baseline MacBook mini with 16 gigs of Ram, 800 bucks, not a bad deal. I'm sure there's going to be a sale at Costco or something. And that's pretty decent. You know, you probably want a half a terabyte, but if you can, you know, yeah, okay, now you're at a thousand, but, but you know what I mean? Like you can, you could scrape by with two fifties. I mean, if, if you're not using it as your main machine. Ish. You know, I, I was just coming to a terrible conclusion. Um, the I, I was also looking at your code compiling chart that is showing the code compiling is about twice as fast than my as my computer. <laughs> mm, yeah, darn. But um, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm, but I'm going to have this iMac for the rest of my life because mm-hmm. it's an Intel computer, and I need to be making sure my software still runs well on Intel computers. But then, James, but then, can you just? run an intel version of a virtual machine through rosetta i believe that may be Mm. something they support i wonder if that's something um or at least one of the vendors supports like vmware i wonder and i should report back if i can actually run intel uh emulators on these m computers you wouldn't happen to know the answer to that question would you I do not know. That would yeah. be awesome. Though, so. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> then I could uh, then I could actually up, upgrade to one of these puppies. Yeah, I like that. Well, I have myself thinking about a different upgrade because I did Uh-oh. talk about my beautiful. <laughs> I know I did talk about my beautiful MacBook Air, but Frank, there are new MacBook Pros with <laughs> M2 Pros and Maxes, no Ultras, but you know they're they're not there. They're in whatever some other device. I'm sure. Not to be confused with the MacBook Pro 13 inches has an M2, which is the old design. This is the <laughs> new hot design, and these puppies are gorgy because they 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 have that MacBook Air, the the new design. And they have a 14 inch and a 16 inch. And ooh, I'm a sucker for a good 14 inch device. Um, I just said 15 inch, 16 inch, a little bit too big, but 14 inch, that sounds good to me. Um, these puppies have all the things that you can possibly want, which is up to 12 cores, 38 cores of GPU, up to 96 gigabytes of unified memory, Frank, <laughs> 96 gigabytes and eight terabytes configured. For storage, who doesn't want that? Mm. I'm just saying this is this is like, you know, it's not a huge deal going on here for these new devices, but I wanted to point it out that there's a lot of nice new developer machines in the world of Mac and I'm <laughs> digging it. You know what I mean? I like these designs. These are good, solid designs. I've seen them because I have some friends that have them and I'm jealous, Frank. I'm jealous because I don't have this cool design. Yeah, the, the one thing the MacBook Pros have that I don't have are ports <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> true me too same here same here. so i i have to dongle everything and i was just looking and it, it doesn't have any usba ports so i guess you usba you're gone you're gone puppy um but yeah i've always thought about getting the pros truth is, truth is i just don't use the laptop very much however if i was a laptop user oh my god i'd be jumping all over this it has feet how do you feel about feet 
on your laptop, James, in this I'm new a, design. I'm a fan of little feats. My uh, my Surface Laptop 4, which I'm running and recording this podcast on, which is one of my favorite laptops, by the way. I love it. It has little feats on it, and they're cute. A little nubs, little nub feet, and they gets it right off the ground. You know why they do that? Because there's no fan. Or maybe there's a fan in this, but maybe that's why they <laughs> put it in there. There's a, yeah, there's a, definitely a fan in this machine, but there's probably fans in this machine. You got to get it off the ground. Yeah, it's 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 gorgeous. Uh, so I'm I'm a little bit behind. Um, it, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so this has MagSafe three. Did the previous Pro? Did they go back to MagSafe, or was that using USB C charging? That is a good question. I don't know. I didn't. I wish I could go back way back when. These are. This is a out. gorgeous computer. What what do you what do you think the opening price? How, how how much would you pay for one of these gorgeous computers? Well, if it's by Apple, five billion dollars. Um, I don't know. I looked it up, so it's two thousand dollars. So. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It comes in at the same price as the Mac Studio, yeah. but um, it's obviously a powerhouse machine. Not quite the memory bandwidth I, I've learned on this podcast, but it comes with a gorgeous monitor and a notch. Have I, I have not been testing my apps against the notch, but I'm hoping uh, the mini bar takes care of it so we don't have to deal with the notch on the <laughs> Macs. I don't know if I can I don't know if I can business justify buying it just to test my software against the notch either. Yeah. I I have to say, you know, looking at the benchmarks compared to the Mac Mini compared to the MacBook Pro, while yes, it does destroy the, you know, i7 machines, I gotta say, it's not actually that much more impressive over the M1 versions of the MacBook Pro. I don't, it, it, this is more of just a generational bump in my opinion, because when you start to look at these side-by-side, you know, things, like you'll be like, oh, okay, um, ML image uh, upscaling performance, oh, 10.6X, but then you look at the <laughs> M1, and it's eh, it's actually like you know not that big of a deal, one point whatever. And same thing with code compiling, like yeah, it's faster. But actually, the Max and the Pro are exactly the same. I see four point four, four point four, and then it's just a yeah. little bit more than the the M1 Pro and Max. Like so, that is what what really has me thinking here is if I have an M1 Pro or an M1 Max today. Is it really that big of a deal going to a M2 Pro and Max compared to I, James Montemagno, have an M1, no other words behind it, MacBook Air? How big of a jump would it be to go to a Pro or a Max? And that feels substantial to me. Yeah. I guess I would rely on the old review websites for non-Apple performance numbers. I'm I'm a stickler for just, you know, good old raw CPU performance, that kind of stuff. Can I make a complaint? A little side tangent here. Oh, Um, yeah, of course. I was getting a neural network to run on Apple devices. So on my M1 iPad specifically is where I was doing most of this work, but also my phone. And my my whole point here is Apple's putting a lot of effort into the neural engine. And so a lot of those performance numbers are things optimized for the neural engine. Now, my complaint, <laughs> uh, the neural network I was running, um, GPT-2, basically a pretty standard port of it to core ML, when I would run it on the neural engine, it would give bad results. 
I had to force it to run on the CPU so that I got good results. And that just broke my heart because I thought, oh, here, I went through all the effort to get like a decent neural network. It was even um, code that I think Apple sponsored to pay to convert it over to work in CoreML. And the stupid thing came and take advantage of the neural engine. It runs fine with the CPU, just slower and less efficiently. You know, it's probably using more power than it would on the neural engine. And it, it, it was sad. So we, <clears throat> in the future, these things will work out, right? But uh, in the present, we are in this awkward state where uh, a lot of the performance stuff that they quote, uh, maybe software hasn't quite kept up yet, or it's hard for software to keep up. I'm trying, but I, I can't get this stupid thing to even run on the neural engine. Yeah. I got to say, I think if I'm in the market right now, I don't want to poo-poo anything, but if I'm in the market right now, I got to say, I'm probably not going to buy any MacBook products at all. This is my, this is my new recommendation because I feel like there's going to be a transformative change here in the next year. And I think I'm not going to say because I heard it because Mark German said it, but <laughs> I think they may, they may bring the touchscreen to a MacBook. I'm just saying it may happen. Oh gosh. Oh, if only, if only. They How got many times it, it. do you poke? You have to, I, especially because I live the iPad lifestyle. I, I switch over to the Mac and I just start poking everything. You, mm-hmm. you can't help it. Even though the things are tiny, I still try to poke them. My MacBook Air's screen is disgusting. It is gross <laughs> because I just touch it all the time and nothing happens, which makes it worse. Um, no. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure they designed the glass to be poked, you know? No, <laughs> it's no. not supposed to be. <laughs> but. I feel like that's the rumor on the mill and it has been for a while, but I just feel like right now, and maybe it's just a software thing that where they're really trying to get these, you know, new, um, what's that showtime thing or whatever. What were we talking about? The thing, the show, show, ste- show, steady, show, steady rock <laughs> show, show. Ring. Uh, you know, I, I thought I knew what you were talking about until you went on that little rant there. Uh, I, is that the one where like the camera tracks you that one nope no spotlight nope not spotlight no hold on not spotlight hold on i'm uh, i'm scrolling through we? the venture continuity camera i like continuity uh, camera the... don't need an m2 for that though stage manager oh stage manager okay yeah and then also you need an m2 for that no the touchscreen yes okay yeah. oh you think they're gonna stage manager mac i'm not sure it's gonna fly I don't know. I, I'm just thinking, well, you you can stage manager Mac today. And then, you know, I think that you're bringing you know, iPad apps over. You're doing this other stuff. I don't know. It just it would make some sense to have more continuity. And if they're bringing to, to me, I feel like what they've done is they're, they're, they've over time brought Mac OS closer to iPad OS and iPad OS closer to Mac OS. And like that lack of touchscreen hinders software developers at some point, because imagine you, Frank, how you could incorporate and test, you know, different things into iCircuit, for example, um, for touchscreen controls, where now you have to really design things for uh, mouse and keyboard. You could improve some different different aspects of it, perhaps for for touchscreen. No. Oh, for sure. Um, and you know, I was thinking. Uh, Okay, so iCircuit's a fun example because um, the circuit editor, I control all the gestures myself. 
And on Mac, because it's an operating old older operating system, it's very mouse specific. Mm. You know, mouse clicked down, mouse moved, mouse clicked up. They don't translate exactly to touches as hard as much as we try to like make them all seem the same on every operating system. You know, mice are different from touch screens, and so there's a reason I think Apple's been a little bit afraid to do it, but. They should just deal with it because I've used, um, <laughs> this is a little bit silly, but I've logged into my Mac from my iPad with like um, VNC, you know, mm. and those gestures can be translated. It can create the right things. Um, I think Microsoft definitely got the advantage here where they uh, gear the sizes and visuals of the operating system toward a touch screen many many years ago they've been refining it for many many years um just doing a mac with touch screen mac's definitely not ready for it right now but uh you know in fact they made the toolbar smaller on ventura did you i have so many apps where the toolbar is just clipping because for the first time ever, they've made the toolbar slightly smaller on Mac. And so I feel like they're kind of going in the opposite direction of what they need to do to make these things uh, touch-friendly. Yeah, that's a good point. I I do feel like, you know, Windows, for example, has come a long ways where, you know, I think in the beginning, what you don't want to do is force app developers to have to try to overly optimize and do a bunch of stuff to make their applications touch friendly when they were keyboard and mouse friendly before. However, you need to adapt the operating system to adjust. There's a bunch of low level stuff, right? You need to adjust these hit ratios and all these other things for it, where I feel like no matter what application I'm using on Windows now, I feel like, you know, 90%, 95%, like I'm, I'm doing good with it when I'm, when I'm, when I'm building it, because not every single website and everything's optimized for touch, but at the same time, I do believe that the operating system on Windows itself has, has done a really, really great, just come so far, right? And I feel like Apple could have or should progress Mac OS to be this more touch-focused friendly operating system, because if you look at the stage manager and bring in all these other you know, iPad and iPhone applications over, it makes logistical sense that the operating system would make it a better use case for touch. Yep. Mm. Yep. <laughs> You're just making me imagine all, all the bugs that are going to happen in my apps. I still think they should do it. It's, it's yeah. just, just so that all the dirty fingerprints on my screen were worth it because what we really want with touch i was thinking um text editing on the ipad and i make so many uh, text-based apps so i'm I'm sorry when i keep trying to do text editing on the ipad it's rough um the roughest part of it is selection i think with your fingers i think in the whatever 14 years of iphones we still haven't perfected uh, selecting text and moving the cursor and things like that. And I would hate to see that logic brought over to Mac. <laughs> I think it would yeah. be terrible. <laughs> but at the same time, they got to bring some logic over, you know. It's, and again, touches are different. 
but it, it's going to be tricky. Um, you know, the the gesture we all want to do, at least the what accounts for the majority of the fingerprints on my screen, is scrolling a web browser. But if you think about that gesture, your finger presses down, you glide it up, you release, that looks like a mouse down, mouse drag, mouse up event. And so will they have to make scrolling two finger? And then it's going to feel very different from how it feels on the iPad. So there are definitely pro- software problems to be solved. Um, it's not just a matter of slapping uh, a sensor on these things. Well, we'll have to wait until next year's new MacBooks and MacBook Airs and all this other. Do you think they'll introduce touch on MacBook Airs first or do you think MacBook Pros? Oh, I, I yeah, ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I, I would think Airs was my first gut response, but I, I'm trying to think it through and give you a logical reason and I can't really come up with a logical reason. So I just, I, my gut response was Air. And do you think that they will create a new skew so to be like macbook air touch <laughs> touch the air i touch um yeah featuring oh, i touch technology would, would it have uh pencil support because then then you could oh, actually wow Mind <laughs> that, that would be one way to solve the are you dragging or are you touching <laughs> pressing yeah. Well, uh, okay. Um, will it have touch in the name? Absolutely not. They'll come up with something more clever. But yeah, it will be a different skew yeah. for sure. <laughs> nice. Well, let us know what you think of all the new Apple devices and what you thought about that ad read. Because if you liked it, of course, you've probably already downloaded um, La Terminal. And let us know what you think of that app. And if you want more different app type uh, sponsors, we'll do a call out if uh, you got an app out there. Folks, let us know. Do a little shout out. Um, to y'all, uh, hit us up. Um, uh, you get that free trial membership to our Patreon. Listen to all of our sweet, sweet back episodes of bonus pods. That's super rad. And um, yeah, let us know if you actually want touchscreen support on your Mac or not. I think I just have had touch on every single device almost ever that I, it just feels like a glaring oversight at this point. And uh, I know that Steve Jobs was like, no, but. Uh, Come on, Tim, make it happen. Come on, Tim. I think that's when I I would finally, if they have a a, a touch laptop, then you know I'm going to start poking my um, iMac. And I think that's when it'll finally have to go. So when do we get the touch iMacs? That's what I want to know. 2028, that's my prediction. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to hold you to it. We'll be at episode a billion. Nice. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. I super duper appreciate it. And of course, if you like this uh, podcast, you can give it a review. We don't actually ask for that ever, but if you're on Apple Podcasts because you have an iDevice, give us a little review. We like that. We read it back. We, we appreciate that. And um, yeah, I think it's going to do it for this week's podcast. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.